so with Podcast 30. This is just the Amy Guth Podcast. This is kind of my own thing. It's sort of a, you know, melting pot. I don't know, junk drawer. The It's sort of everything. It's all the things. But I'm popping in to tell you about a thing. Let me preface it. So one thing that I have definitely found in my life to be true is that when I have done... I'm going to do some radio air quotes here. When I have done like the things I'm supposed to do, it's turned out horribly. I've been unhappy. I'm just not, I'm not a status quo upholding person. I don't function well in that setting. I like to do things my own way. I relentlessly question why things are done the way they're done. Relentlessly. Interestingly, I have also landed in a lot of work settings with legacy business models like newspapers, like radio, things like, or terrestrial radio anyway, right? Where the legacy business model is, is really treasured. And I find myself in positions with a lot of opposition because I'm like, well, why do we do it that way? Why don't we do it this way? What if we do it this way? What about this? What about this? I mean, let's rewind even more in the early 2000s when I wrote my first book, doing it the way it was, again, radio air quotes, supposed to be done didn't work for me. I, I didn't, I, without going into it, but like I, I was not seeing, I was not having the success I wanted because I was listening to other people's advice. I had an idea that I wanted a small boutique publisher because this was a quirky, weird little, little novel and I wanted it in the right hands. And so it was very important to me to, to land it in the right place. And so what I did was I did some research. I said, what are the books I like? Who published them? Who was working there at the time? And where are those people now? And I just kind of did some reporting on the matter, right? I just tracked some folks down. And I made this short list and I offered the book up, you know, but but one of them, in fact, my top pick, they were not accepting submissions at the time. And you can't just ignore that. So what I did was I wrote to the publisher and I said, I understand you're not accepting submissions. However, my book would be an excellent fit for your stacks, you know, for your catalog. May I send you one page? Because look, nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? You don't ask, you don't get. I'm not bombarding the man with my whole manuscript. I was like, are you willing to just read one page? And he was like, fine, send me a page. So I sent him a page. He goes, okay, send me a chapter. So I sent him a chapter. Okay, send me the whole thing. So I sent him the whole thing. I don't know, some time goes by. And then he goes, you know what? I was really impressed. I like this. Let's do this. Let's work together on this. And I knew I was in the right hands. Everybody was like, it's going to go this way. Editing is going to be hard. You're going to cry. You're going to have a nervous breakdown. It's going to be awful. You either get a good title or a good cover, but not both. And everything worked out. And and in particular, the editing part, I was a little terrified going into that because of just the horror stories that I've heard. It was fine. The editor, James Stiegel, he at the time was working for So New Media. And every suggestion he had for the book was something that wasn't sitting right for me anyway, a place that I was already like, I don't love that, but I don't really know what to do with it. So every time he had a suggestion, I was like, oh, yes, that's actually a great idea. So there was no fighting. I mean, there was a couple things where I was like, no, I don't want to knock that out because this, then here's why. So to make it work better, how about I do this? Like there was a couple of compromises, but there was no drama. Like I was, you know, promised and, and assured by so many authors that there would be because I stuck to my guns. I said, I'm not going for this big publishing house because this is not that book. This is a weird ass little book. And it's, that's, that's what I want to do with it. I want to, I want it to go to a small boutique press and I want it to be in the right hands. And that's exactly what happened. Fast forward, that book is about to come out. I'm a first time author. There is a publicist that I'm working with. Her husband died. She quits. She leaves the country because obviously she's having a lot of grief to process who can blame her. But nonetheless, like in a month, I have a book coming out. 
social media is brand new at the time. So I decide I'm going to learn everything that I can about social media. I am going to like form my opinions about it as I go, but I'm going to learn everything first. And I salvaged that because A, I was pretty fortunate to have some pretty portable work at the time because I was doing a lot of freelance. And I was, I had the support of the publisher to just like go around and, you know, whatever, whatever book tour I stop, I wanted to book. They're like, okay, we'll send books ahead and we'll help you promote it. But you know, they weren't expecting much out of me, but I used social media. I crowdsourced some of the book tour stops. I did a lot of things. I met a lot of incredible people, most of whom I'm still in touch with and had a a very rich experience, sold a lot of books, went all over the US and part of Canada and, and had a great experience. Now, everyone said, don't do this without a book publicist. Your book publicist left. So just, you know, let it go. Let the book come out. Let it be a soft launch. Hire somebody later, whatever. No, I'm going to do this myself. You only get one chance to have your first book come out. And if I do this right, I'm going to build some momentum and I will know better next time how to do this even better. And that's, that's what happened. And even some jobs that I've had, I mean, the news organization that I worked for right after that was the Tribune. And basically I was recruited to come work in the book section because I was using social media and live tweeting my book tour and writing blog posts from everywhere I went. At one point, a friend of mine and I, unrelated to the book tour, but sort of part of it, she and I uh, were approached by a car company to do a road trip. And at the time, like this seems like nothing now, but at the time there was technology in the car that we could use our phones to basically broadcast from the car. So we were doing like a morning radio show from the car safely. And we had a producer back here in Chicago who was like taking callers for us and things like that. But you know, now you could do that. We have different tools now, but this was the early 2000s. This was 2007, 2008. So, you know, at the time, all these great things happened because I said, no, I'm not going to listen to what everyone's telling me to do because, because what's happening when someone's, when, when a lot of people are telling you to do something, sometimes they're, they are like, Hey, don't jump off that bridge. You're going to get hurt. Don't be an idiot. But other times you're hearing their fear and you're hearing, if you do this differently than I did, somehow my experience is invalidated. That's essentially what people are telling you. Like when you hear advice from your parents or family members or friends or whatever that are saying, you have to do it this way, that's how I did it. They're really saying, don't you dare invalidate my experience. And if you know in your gut, I know I'm right. I know that I can do this. I know I can promote this book. I know that if this person reads this one page of this book, that he will see this will be a good fit. I know that if I walk up to this stranger, I'm not even on his radar and say, hey, you should hire me for this job. Here's why I'd be good at it. That's going to matter. If you know, you know, I mean, I'm referring to a job that I had years later, just in the last few years in which I just walked up to the person hiring. I, I was kind of on his radar, but not really. And I just said like, hey, you should hire me for this. I think you need a radical feminist to run this. And I got you. <laughs> and here's why. And he was like, oh, okay. Now, the, what I should have, you know, again, radio air quotes, what I should have done was like, go apply, write him an email, say attached is my resume. But no, I just, I was there, I was at a place and I was like, here's the thing. Here's why you should hire me for this. Here's what I could do for you. <laughs> and it worked, which is all to say that everything that I have done in my life that, that worked really well, they were all things that where I said, this is how I'm going to do this. I have a gut feeling about how I need to operate here and I'm going to do it. And part of that is, you know, an early experience that I had that I've told on many podcasts and I've told on the radio before is when I was a kid, my dad took me to a pool 
And he was like, see the top of the water. Now look at the drain where it was like standing by the deep end. And no one else was there. It was very early in the morning. He was like, how far do you think it is from the drain to the top of the water? Bigger than a tree? And I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I was pretty little. And he threw me in the water. And what I remember, he remembers this differently, but what I remember is that coming up and thinking like, oh my God, this is a disaster. And him looking at me very calmly and he was like, I'm not going to let you drown, but you've got to learn how to swim back to me. You've got to swim back to me. You have to get out on your own. And so what my brain remembers, I remember thinking, oh shit. And then suddenly I knew how to swim and I knew how to swim well. And so I never like took swimming lessons or anything because I, I had to rise to the occasion quite literally. And I did. And so I think there's part of that is like something that got wired or short circuited for the better in my head at that point. But nonetheless, that's something that served me really well. Hell, even the first time I ever did radio, I was working at the Tribune. WGN Radio was downstairs from it. And I had been on as a guest because I was working in the book section, uh, the Milt Rosenberg show. Milt Rosenberg, a blessed memory, of course. He said, oh, there's this new person in the book section. Bring her down. She'll be on my, my like once or twice a year, he would do this book discussion. And he assigned like seven or eight heavy academic texts for us to read. And there was a judge there. And there was, I think the other person was an actor maybe. And we were supposed to, talk. I show up with all the books and post-its and notes and all this stuff. So he knew I was walking in the door prepared and I really kind of held my own as best I could because everyone said like, you know, Milt Rosenberg's going to bulldoze you. He's going to, you're always going to get just flattened on that show. He is a relentless interviewer. If, if you, you know, have a weakness, he's going to find it. And so I was like, well, I can't let that happen. I better be prepared. And I think he knew she's going in really prepared. So he kind of liked me. I sent him a thank you note in Yiddish because I knew he spoke Yiddish and I sent him a little thank you note. And a short time later, I get pulled downstairs because there was a radio show happening and they said, oh, you know, I think we're, we want to actually make this a duo. We need a, a you know, a, a co-host for this person to, to, to balance the, the room a little. So I get pulled downstairs and I'm being interviewed. I thought I was being interviewed about a story thinking like I'd be a guest at some point about talking about some book things that were happening. And then it was kind of like, that was like a Wednesday. And then it was like, okay, well, so Saturday and Sunday. I was like, oh, you want me to be on both days? Yeah, you're going to co-host. Oh, you want me to co-host? Yeah, we want you to co-host. And that that's literally how it went. I was like, well, I don't, I don't know where the buttons are. I don't know what the buttons do. He's like, no, nah, you can learn all that. You can have a conversation though, and that's what counts. So I show up and again, was kind of thrown into the deep end, but I figured it out because those are learnable things. So I was like working with engineers saying, teach me how to run the board. And I was like coming in, running downstairs on my lunch break, like teach me how to run the board so I know how to do this because I don't want to be like dependent on anybody. I want to learn how to fix things and run things myself here. And eventually I did and it took practice. I wasn't great on the radio at first. I, I don't think I was probably as bad as I think I was, but there's plenty of blog posts out there of like sports radio listeners where I was like adjacent to a sports show, not on it, but before or after where they were like, she's the worst, which whatever, pretty much if you're a woman on the radio, someone's going to tell you you're the worst, no matter what you're doing. But over time I got used to it and I knew the, I knew the foundation. So I kind of knew where I could maneuver and now I can like pop on the air and it's fine. And I do it every day. You know, I, I pop on and it's pandemic time. So I, have the equipment. So it's, it sounds like I'm in the studio, but I'm actually sitting in my bedroom in my apartment. And now I just kind of pop on every day. And I talk about business headlines and what's happening in the business world and air airlines and a lot of air carriers and things like that. So all that's to say, like, and those are just some examples, but every time I did things my own way and not the conventional way, 
the results were better than I could have possibly ever anticipated. Now, when I did things the expected way, that's not saying results were bad. Sometimes they were because I was stir crazy because I was like, this doesn't feel good to me to work in this style, even though I've been told I should want this. This doesn't feel right to me. Other life choices, like this is a thing you should want, did not feel right to me. So I was unhappy, but that wasn't always the case. There were choices I made that were like, I'm going to do the following things in this way. They weren't bad, but the things that really stand out to me as, wow, that thing ended up being beyond my wildest dreams. The way the universe opened up and more showed up in my path than I could have ever imagined when I started pursuing that, those were all times where I was like, you know what? I'm going to do things my own way. So what I want to do is capture that in other people. In addition to this podcast and in addition to the Cranes podcast that I do on weekdays, I'm starting this audio experiment. At the moment, I'm planning it to be a very limited run. So I'm not taking everybody. I'm just taking kind of like a mix of voices. So there's some people that are like, that might apply to be on this or shoot me a note, but I've already kind of got a voice that's doing something similar, but I'm going to try to get as many people as I can in there. And I want to talk to people that have made unconventional choices because I've always been fascinated with people that were like, you know what? Screw that. I'm doing this my own way. Screw what the world tells me. Screw what society tells me. Screw your gender roles. Screw your beauty standards, whatever. I'm doing what feels good and right for me. I'm fascinated by people like that. And the last couple of years of the pandemic, of racial reckoning, of a lot of stuff that's gone on, I think more people have said, you know what? I'm not here for this. You know, when we talk about the great resignation, it's not people are just too lazy to work. And I know a lot of conservatives like to say that. That's actually inaccurate. And there's data to back that up. It is that people had a minute to think, wait, I don't want this. I want to do more. I want my life to be bigger and more than this. I want more meaning in my life. I haven't been home to watch my kids grow up. I haven't done this. I haven't done this. I haven't had vacation in a decade. What like People had some real feelings about this. And they were like, you know what? I'm going to make some changes. So people are starting businesses. People are like, I've actually just saved money for years and not done anything with it. What have I shown? What have I got to show for my life? But, but a lot of time in a cubicle. No, I'm going to go travel the world when it's okay to do that. Like people have been making some radical choices and some are just like, I don't want to do retail anymore. I'm going to go start a business and do my own retail thing. I don't want to work for someone else's retail. Some have been very different that are like, I'm, you know, this baller in this, you know, big fancy job and I'm going to do something totally different. Some people are like, I'm going to go back to school. Some people are doing really radically different things right now because they, they had that minute to think about it. So whether you are a person that has always made unconventional choices like me, or you're kind of new to that game where you're like, you know what? I've always played by the rules and I'm sick of it. I've done everything society told me and it's bullshit and I'm doing something different Whatever camp you fall in, or or maybe there's a a range of things in between, I want to talk to you about this. I want to hear from you. I want to hear these unconventional stories, and I want to collect the best and the best and the best, and I want to share them with the world because I want the world to hear from the voice of unconventionality. Because here's the thing. The whole system is set up to be self-reinforcing, that the people who uphold the status quo and do everything they, radio air quotes, should do and do it the way you're supposed to, again, radio air quotes, supposed to, there's reward in that, in that that it's not, you know, it's harder to make unconventional choices. It's easier to go with the flow. 
for sure. And I'm not saying if you were like, no, but what I really wanted in my life was to grow up and get a job and live in the suburbs and have 2.5 kids and a, you know, hetero marriage. If that's what you want, great. But there's people that don't want that. But there's a lot of pressure in the world to uphold the status quo. And it's not for everybody, even though there's so much pressure to want to want it, right? There's a lot of pressure that, oh, well, you're this age. Why aren't you married with kids? Why don't you buy a house? I mean, you know, there's like a lot of pressure to be a certain way, to do certain things by certain ages, to be married, to own a house, to move to the burbs, to, you know, there's an expectation that you become more conservative as you get older. I think it's the opposite. The older I get, the more radical I get and the more, the more vocal I get the less willing I am to not say something. I think it, I think there is a moral imperative to speak up when you see an injustice. And I, when I was young, I was a little scared of that. Like, well, what if that person is mean to me or mad? And that's valid, especially as a woman, we're good at reading the room. A lot of times people say women are bad at negotiating. That's bullshit. Any woman who has ever walked alone at night knows how to negotiate. Any woman who has ever gotten a toddler to eat knows how to negotiate. What we're good at is reading the room and anticipating the consequences of us saying the things that we want. And the older I've gotten, the less I'm concerned with that. Like, you know what? If you think I'm a bitch for asking for more money or for more vacation or whatever, or for enforcing my boundaries, then I don't want to work with you anyway. Like kind of the end. So all this is to say, I am interested in your stories of, of unconventional choices. Maybe that's a personal choice. Maybe that's a professional choice. Maybe that's both. Whatever it is, I want to talk to you. So you can find me, amy at amyguth.com. I'm on all the social media. I'm easy to find there. Um, I, do, I do filter replies on my tweets. So if we're not already connected on Twitter and you reply to me, I may not see it just because I have a, a quality filter because a lot of people get really mean on Twitter sometimes. The best way to find me, amy at amyguth.com. Shoot me a note and say, hey, here's this unconventional thing I do. And I would like to talk with you about it. And if it's a good fit, let's do it. So that's all I got for today. And I will be back soon but keep making unconventional choices. I know that they are not always easy. I know that the world puts a lot of pressure on us to make the obvious choice, to make the expected choice, to make the choice that upholds status quo and doesn't rock the boat. But boat rockers, I see you, I support you. No change in the world has ever happened without boat rockers. So I appreciate you. And sometimes it feels very frustrating, like you're not getting anywhere with the things you want to accomplish because the world is so set up to reinforce the status quo. But that's part of why I want to do this. That's part of why I want to gather all these voices in one place to talk about unconventional choices and to talk about the challenges of it, the advantages of it, why it's a superpower. I think it's totally a superpower. If you're the kind of person that is always thinking about alternative options for things, it's absolutely a superpower. But it doesn't, that doesn't mean there aren't consequences to it. And I want to talk about those too. So again, amy at amyguth.com. Hope to hear from you. Let's talk. Let's do the things. Keep making unconventional choices. And I will see you somewhere on the internet. Bye for now. This has been the Amy Guth Show podcast. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing so you don't miss a single one and be sure and rate and share this podcast. But also you can email me amy at amyguth.com with questions you'd like to hear answered on a future episode.